Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Down the Middle with Doc and Zip. As always, we're sponsored by GolfHQ.com from tee to green and head to toe. GolfHQ.com is the place to go. And Zip, it's PGA Championship week, so I know you're fired up. I sure am, buddy. I am fired up. Um, pretty exciting week in the world of golf, not just nationally, but locally. Uh, it's our second episode, my brother. Let's do this. Yeah, we're going to have a lot uh, on the plate to talk about. Obviously, we're going to dive into the PGA Championship, uh, moving that from August, uh, Glory's last chance, to now in May. So we have a lot to talk about there. Um, But before we kick things off too much further, uh, we want to give you an update from our first episode. We talked about Billy Tom Sargent and uh, Zip. He had a great day, my friend. So stoked. Was following him on the uh, website. just super excited. Wait, hit the refresh button a thousand times. And um, Billy Tom Sargent, congratulations, my friend. Uh, for those who might have missed the first episode, or just to touch on it real quick, uh, Billy Tom was one of our employees, uh, worked in the pro shop where uh, Doc and I um, worked, where I formerly worked, Cherry Blossom and Longview Golf Club in Central Kentucky. Billy Tom just finished his senior year um, at Western Kentucky University. Uh, go Hilltoppers, and Bellatom is also a two-time club champ at Cherry Blossom, where Doc currently works, and um, BT is a great kid. I've known him for a very long time. He gets better and better every year. The sky's the limit. He's got a big summer ahead of him, um, but with that being said, he had a huge day today at the uh, Division One NCAA Regional um, Championship in Athens, Georgia. Um, he was the low individual for today. He actually tied for fourth in the entire field. Uh, he had to go to a three-hole playoff, and to get into that playoff, he buried his last two holes, 17 and 18. Um, that tied him with a gentleman from Nevada, and they were taking the low individual um, from this spot to go to the University of Arkansas for the uh, D1 National Championship. And on the third playoff hole, BT made a 30-footer for par, um, to capture his dreams and his goals. And he is headed to uh, Fayetteville, to the Blessings course, I believe, at the University of Arkansas. Um, we'll be obviously keeping close eyes rooting for him all the way. Hopefully he'll get some TV time. Had a chance to text with him a little bit today after his round. Obviously super emotional, super stoked. Um, hard work and talent pays off. And uh, I know you and I, and the whole Cherry Blossom and Longview family could be happier for me. Yeah, we're rooting for you, BT. And uh, we've always known that this young, young man has game, but now everyone's going to get to see it on the big stage. So, uh, again, we're going to be rooting for him. And we're, we're going to try to get BT on the podcast. He's a little busy right now, and uh, he's got a full plate. But uh, later on uh, this summer, we're going to get him on and talk about what his experience was like because I want to know, Zip, what was going through his mind if he had that 20-footer to – to, to seal the deal cold as ice obviously <laughs> um i mean to birdie the last to, to, to dig deep he didn't make a lot of birdies he said himself in his post game or post round interview he didn't make a lot of birdies for the three days um, but he did set a school record for his three-day score um for anybody from wku that's ever gone um you know as an individual or with a team for that matter um, so he did, he did do that. And he also broke his personal best because he did go as an individual the last year or the year before. I can't remember which, um, but yeah, uh, very last two holes to get in. I think he hit on 18. He hit it to like six, eight feet maybe. Um, and then, uh, I think they have the first playoff hole with pars. Unfortunately, they both bogeyed the second hole and the third hole. He, uh, knocked it in and, I don't know, man. Just uh, that's what that's why you play the game at a high level. That's what it's all about. I, I hope there was a fist pump there. So there was. Uh, I saw it. The uh, whoever big shout out to whoever does the Twitter page uh, for WKU Men's Golf or their athletic department. Awesome, awesome coverage. Um, they were there with their cell phone, obviously with the ringer off, of course. Yeah. Uh, posting video, shot by shot of his 18th hole um, and his winning putt. So uh, that was very cool to follow along with that. So shout out to them. So if we haven't shared that to our Twitter feed or to our Facebook page, we'll certainly get that up for you so you can see the whole thing unfold. So 
Before we get into uh, this week's topics, uh, we have a little house cleaning to do, Zip. Talk a little bit about our first award winner from our opening episode. If I do say so myself, we had a hell of a giveaway for the first episode. Um, we asked you guys to tweet at us or email us at uh, docandzip at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us or, or message us your, uh, your Mount Rushmore of golf, your four picks. Um, that was a topic we discussed on the first episode. And um, I am happy to say that a dozen Pro V1X golf balls by Titleist are heading all the way to Oklahoma City uh, to our winner, Mr. John Rich. And uh, Doc, he thought a little outside the box a little bit. I loved his reasoning. Um, three of our three matched up. He went with Arnie, Jack, Tiger, and Mr. John Daly, who we are definitely going to be talking about later um, in this episode. And his reasoning for John Daly was, obviously, the guy's got a lot of world-class, God-given talent to have the career he's had and also have the lifestyle and the demons he's battled throughout the years. So um, big JD, I'm a fan of JD, although he might not be a fan of mine uh, when we discuss his activities <laughs> in the PGA coming up um, later in this episode. But uh, John Rich, JR, you have a dozen golf balls coming your way, my friend. Well, congratulations, John. And the only thing I would add is if John Daly is going to be on the uh, our Mount Rushmore of golf, I hope it's a full body so we can see what kind of pants he wears. <laughs> I'm sure he would appreciate a full body chiseling on that mountain after he lost all that weight and had the surgery and all that stuff. The worst pants I've ever had a chance to see. I think it's loudmouth golf, yes. so we're loud probably not going to get them on as a sponsor. But uh, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm fine with that. I think I'm hoping that fad's over. Um, the only ones I would wear would probably be the American flag pants because you can't you can't knock those. You can't yeah. knock patriotism. We can probably do a whole episode on golf attire, and uh, I mean the big question is, I'll tell you right now, fat guys don't wear knickers, but I mean. <laughs> That that's probably a whole episode there. Thinking about what kind of pants are best for what given situation. I think uh, loudmouth golf pants wearers might be uh, in our list of uh, pet peeves later on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so we're <laughs> we're gonna talk about pet peeves and then uh, we're gonna jump into some equipment. Zip is uh, the head pro there at Golf HQ and also the lead club fitter. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. Zip. We sure do. Uh, speaking of golf equipment, I'm ready to. Uh... Only uh, four rounds into the year. I'm ready to throw mine in the uh, in the river somewhere. I played a horrible round today. My allergies were killing me. Everything's covered in pollen. Thank God this isn't a TV show because my eyes are swollen shut almost. Um, bad time of year for the allergy sufferers out there. But I am proud to say and happy to say that uh, spring is finally underway, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm sure you guys are rocking and rolling down there. Yeah, we have had a lot of play lately here in Central Kentucky, and uh, course is greening up. Greens are getting faster, so it's a good time to be out on the golf course. So, um, so where do you want to start, my man? Doc, let me ask you, my friend. I saw you on YouTube a little bit, walking Cherry Blossom. I see you've been out hitting balls, playing a few holes before or after your your shifts, and in between you working at the university. I understand you went to a multi-vendor demo day last weekend. Um which is a huge topic um, that we can always talk about. We're always down to talk about club fitting, what's the latest and greatest out there um, by all these great brands in the game of golf. People are always interested in what driver's hot, what set irons is selling. And uh, just tell us a little bit about your experience, what you find out, what you learn, that you make a purchase yet. I have not made a purchase, but as you know, I am in the market for a new driver, and we've had several conversations about that uh in the past i've played um i've played ping i've played callaway uh, i'm currently playing a tailor made uh one of the old rocket balls uh drivers um with the solid white uh club head and i just i, I guess i'm too cheap zip to spend five or six hundred dollars on a driver so i've been uh, i've been uh, slugging along with the rocket balls until i find the right one so Recently, they had a, a huge 11-vendor uh, um, demo day here in Central Kentucky. And so I told my wife I was going to go out for a couple hours and hit balls. And the first thing I'll tell you is I'm surprised I didn't end up in the ER because my back was absolutely <laughs> killing me after – I know I took 60 swings in two hours, which was absolutely crazy. 60 swings, how many Advil? Uh, 
I can't count them. I don't know if uh, FDA approved to even talk about how many Advil I popped, but uh, it was it was a great experience. And as you know, as a club fitter, the great thing about being able to go to all those different tents and talk to people and tee it up with some different equipment is you actually get your hands on whatever the current, whatever the hot driver is. You you read in Golf Digest and Golf Magazines the the hot list or which ones are ranked the best. But to go out and to tee it up and hit them. Um, kind of see see the flight of the ball is always a lot of fun uh, for me at, at least yeah absolutely um there's so much good stuff out there the only way you're going to find out what is good for you for doc or for zip or for you know anybody listening is going to some of those they're talking about these club reps these tech reps are certified you know uh, myself obviously certified a lot of our staff at golf headquarters are certified and are amongst some of the best club fitters I've ever worked with. You got to get out there and just hit them, whether it be on a track man, a foresight, or outdoors. Um, whether you're a 32 handicapper or a two, there's equipment out there for you to enjoy the game more, to play the best you can. Not every stiff shaft is the same. Not every regular flex is the same. Not every steel shaft is the same. I mean, hell, not even not every pitching wedge is the same loft. So, I mean, there's things out there that you need to realize and, you know, and make it fun. Don't make it excruciating. Don't make it a grueling, um, you know, process. Like you said, maybe you're too, you know, there's a lot of guys probably that don't want to spend four or $500 on a driver. Luckily, you don't really have to. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out and, you know, getting something that was last year's model, you know, like a 2018 driver that's now 100 to 200 bucks off. Um, the technology is still obviously tremendous, especially if you're replacing a driver that's seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, you know, spending five hundred dollars on a driver versus spending three hundred doesn't mean you're going to drop five strokes and hit the five hundred dollar driver thirty yards further. You know, that's just not the case. You know, you you know, just you, you just don't know until you try it. And uh, like I said, have fun with it, which it sounds like you definitely did. Um, anything stand out to you? Anything surprise you? as far as maybe um, what the guys told you about shafts or loft or, you know, every club's adjustable now. You can open and close the face, change the center of gravity. What, uh, what stood out to you? What do you remember most? Well, well, the thing that really continues to amaze me about golf equipment is how it continues to evolve and that they keep creating new and innovative ways to create uh, these great drivers. And, you know, there was a time where I didn't think, you know, if you had a driver that, maybe it was out four or five years ago that there was going to be that big a difference from what's on the market currently in 2019. But as you just said uh, very well, you know, the driver technology is such that if you're playing an older driver, five, six years old, you need to really be thinking about looking at making a change. And for me, I, I've hit, I hit five different drivers and I'm just going to read them off to you. Uh, you really turned me on to Mizuno from the first episode. So I spent a lot of time at the Mizuno tent, hit the Mizuno ST190, uh, driver absolutely loved it, and uh, they had to pull me out of there. It was such a such a good feeling driver. It looked great. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I went to the Cobra tent. I hit the Cobra King F9, which is the driver that Ricky Fowler plays, and Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, although uh, it did have, uh, it wasn't a DeChambeau model with all where all the clubs have the exact same link. It was a driver link. So it wasn't a six iron link driver. No, it was not a six iron <laughs> link driver. Although he can probably hit it. Yeah, probably. I went to the Titleist tent and I hit the Titleist TS2. I hit the Callaway Epic Flash, and then I I hit the PXG 0811. Okay. What thoughts there? Yeah, that driver is, is played by Zach Johnson and Pat Perez, and uh, I I'm not really familiar with that company. I'm not familiar with the driver. And that was probably the least favorite of my drivers that I hit. It just was really kind of dead, and the ball didn't seem to go anywhere. But in order of uh, – I was looking for two things. I was looking for look and feel, obviously, but I'm big on trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always played a nine-and-a-half-degree driver with a stiff shaft, so that's kind of where I started. But as they kind of moved me in and out of different shafts, uh, I, I learned pretty quickly that it's really all about the shaft and a gram here or a gram there can make a huge difference. But if I had to pick my top three, it would certainly be the Mizuno would be number one. Uh, I was really pleased with the King Cobra, uh, the Cobra King F9. Uh, hit it really, really well. I was a little disappointed with the Titleist driver, to be quite honest with you. I hit it about 10, 10 to 12 yards shorter than the Mizuno. 
But I mean, Titleist just makes outstanding equipment. And I think if I would have spent a little more time getting uh, familiar with it, it was the last 10 I went to. So I was dog tired by the time right, I got there. Right. But I, I was really pleased with the Mizuno driver. And uh, the thing, Zip, that uh, where your expertise really is going to help people is this whole thing about shafts is just unbelievable how, how so many different combinations are out there and trying to navigate your way around what shaft is best for you. Other than watching your ball flight, I mean, what advice do you have to people looking for new drivers? Well, I mean, you know, shafts determine a lot when it comes to trajectory. Not, you know, everyone thinks of loft, but loft is almost kind of um, like your scale of forgiveness. You know, we don't, you don't see many guys, even if they swing 125 miles an hour with 180 mile an hour ball speed, which not very many guys walk through my door, obviously. I'm talking about 160 car carrying PGA Tour members and then your best college and mini tour players. Um, but even those guys with that amount of club head speed and ball speed, you know, you don't see many guys playing the days of eight, eight and a half degree drivers are over. Um, every driver is adjustable now. You know, a lot of times what guys do is they start at ten and a half if that's the static loft on the club. And, you know, you bust out your torque wrench and you take it down a degree, you know, to nine and a half or you go up. I mean, Jason Day won the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits in, was that 2016, 2015 with him and Spieth battling? He was playing an 11-degree driver. There, he's one of the longest players on tour. Um, he, you know, he's built like a tight end. The guy's got tremendous ball speed. Um and you know, I still get the guys that want to, for some reason, hit the ball lower because they want to, you know, they want to rely on roll. And unfortunately, the you know that's not the way you maximize your distance. The big, the best thing you can do is launch the ball high with low spin. That's going to stay in the air the longest. It's going to move forward. It's going to penetrate the wind or penetrate the atmosphere, and it's going to carry out there for you. Um, you know, when you get to a reputable club fitter, whether it's your local PGA Pro or PGA Superstore or, you know, my shop here in, in Ohio at Golf Headquarters, we are, you know, equipped with every fitting cart from every manufa- every major manufacturer. So, you know, we got a fitting cart from Ping and Callaway and Tour Edge and Mizuno and Cobra and Titleist. And, you know, we have a variety of club heads. We have a variety of shafts. Um, you know, we don't have every shaft on the market, you know, that would take up a whole warehouse. Um, but we have a lot of the best ones and the popular ones, and we can find that right head and shaft combination for you. Um, you know, I did, uh, you know, I write our weekly blog every Wednesday on GolfHQ.com, And actually today's was, um, an equipment spotlight on Mizuno, um, who I'm lucky to be on staff with and really greatly, um, Really enjoying their equipment. Love their driver, like you said earlier. Um, I think I'm playing the best irons right now that I've ever played, the JPX 919 Hot Metal Pros. Um, but, you know, I write a blog every Wednesday, and a couple of weeks ago I, I talked a lot about loft and, um, you know, what it really means and what you really should be looking for. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, one company stiff shaft and Aldola – isn't going to be the same as a Mitsubishi stiff shaft. You know, one might weigh 70 grams and generally a heavier shaft is going to launch the ball lower. Uh, but then you got to think about where that kick point is. Um, you know, where is the flex point in that shaft? If it's a high kick point, it's closer to your hands. High kick point launches the ball low. Low kick point closer to the head launches the ball high. So you can get a stiff shaft with three different kick points. You know what I mean? So it just, um, you know, and that's, and, you know, a lot of customers, a lot of players, um, no matter the ability, like to read up on that stuff, and some do not. Um, you know, but that's what we're here for. That's what um, you know, club fitters and pros, and you know, the guys that learn about all this stuff and get you know certified. You know, that's what you know. That's why we're here, and we're always here to help. You know, some people like to take as much information as they can. Some are still old school, like to play by look and feel, like you kind of mentioned. And um, you know, as we get older, we lose a little flexibility. God forbid. We lose a little club head speed, um, but the equipment is definitely there to help you. Yeah, and I want to give a just a quick shout out to Kim Henderson, who is the um, the Mizuno rep for Indiana, 
in uh, Western Kentucky and parts of Illinois. And I spent a lot of time talking with, with, with Kim and he just did a great job and, and shared a lot of his knowledge with me while I was hitting the Mizuno driver. But I, this is what surprised me a little bit, Zip. He put me in the 10 and a half degree driver, but he set it to 8.5 and yeah. I was playing the curl cage uh, shaft. And that was the driver of, of all the drivers I hit all day. That's the one I hit the best by far. Did he fit you into um, the ST190 or the ST190G? The G, you can adjust the weights in the head also, not just the left. Well, the other was, one's a high launch model. Yeah, I was the HL, the high launch. Okay. That has a, a permanent weight, tungsten weight, right um, deep and in the middle, in the back of the crown of the club. So that's, you know, low center gravity, um, you know, made the launch the ball um, a little higher no matter what loft you uh, set it to. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only advice that I can give people just from my experience, and, and I see this all the time. I have friends and family that do this, and it drives me crazy. The worst thing you can do is to walk into Dick's Sporting Goods and grab it off the shelf and pay for it and walk out and start playing with it, and then right. complain because you can't hit the stupid thing. Absolutely. I mean, you have to get fitted for your golf clubs all the way through the bag. I mean, most of the time, guys walk in a big box store like that, they see a rack of 60 of the same model driver. They're on sale for 199 they played a nine and a half stiff in 1997. They played a nine and a half stiff when they bought their last driver in 2007, and they grab a nine and a half stiff again. They go to the register and ask, you know, little Mary or Joey behind the counter, "Hey, do you have a head cover for this? I'm going to buy it." You know, I, we're obviously, you know, we're trying to get people away from that, and you know, people sometimes shy away from club fitting. They're afraid of their numbers. They're afraid of the truth. A lot of people get inside, they're like, boy, I hit the ball 300 yards. Well, today on this launch monitor, I'm only hitting it 255. Well, your 255 outside is probably what you're thinking is 300 yards. You would be surprised how many people, you know, think they hit the ball so much farther than they do. I mean, 300 yards is a long, long way, um, everybody. So, um, you know, yeah, just it. I, our policy is, and I think a lot of places are like this, a lot of off-course and on-course facilities. Um, you pay thirty bucks for a driver fitting. I, I think that's totally worth it. That's a that's the price of a dozen golf, you know, middle range golf balls. Um, or you pay thirty bucks for a, an iron fitting, or you can do fifty bucks and do the whole bag. If you buy a club, it's included in the price. So if you end up buying, and I'm not even talking about you got to buy a walk out of the driver or spray your set irons. You buy a wedge or a putter. You know, we're include we're taking that. You know, we're including that fitting price in there. And I think a lot of places do that. I think that's more than fair and should be more than attractive to get you guys men and women in the door and um you know just get some numbers get your ball speed get your club speed if you notoriously hit the ball to the right all the time there's a very good chance you might have the wrong line going your irons you know i mean that you know that that could be the case you know you've got basically what it comes down to is you want to find a golf club that caters and fits your swing you don't want to have to cater to the golf club so yeah. I think that's great advice, and uh, we're going to have a lot more of these discussions on future episodes where we're going to get a little deeper into, uh, you know, club design, club fitting, uh, you know, what you're looking for if you're on that flight scope or launch monitor. And we'll even talk a little bit about what golf ball might be best for you. So uh, Zip's the man. He can certainly help you out there. You'd be amazed. Just, you know, a golf ball fitting is something that's just a total different topic, very in-depth. Um, Bridgestone um, was one of the first companies to really start to push golf ball fitting. And um, I know they'll do demo days when it won't even bring their equipment out. They'll, you know, they'll send a rep to area golf courses with their um, track man or whatever um, device they may use. And they'll fit you for a golf ball within the Bridgestone family. You know, they'll let you hit the ball you've been, you know, you've been loyal to, whether it be a, you know, Tyler, a Callaway or a Strixon and, you know, they'll tell you, you know, they, they'll even tell you if that ball is good for you, stick with it. They have no problem doing that. So I, that's also a, uh, another cool um, kind of thing you can go and do as well. So this is a good time to jump into our next topic of conversation. We're going to go to Beth Page Black as the PGA Championship uh, is going to be played this week. And we'll have our picks for you here at the end of the episode. We were talking about John Daly a little bit, so let's jump into it. And talk PGA a little bit, Zip. Very exciting for this week. Um, like you like you mentioned earlier, it uh, used to be called Glory's Last Shot in August. It was the last major of the year. We moved to May. Um, you know, just because I think it's a great move, by the way. 
Um, I think the players all are stoked um, and are in favor of the, mood, the move. Just August and September, the last few years were just so jam-packed with the FedEx Cup um, playoffs. You got the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup every other year. Now you throw in the Olympics every four years around that same time frame. But the guys are playing a lot of golf in August, September, and in October. So I think this is a great move to have a major in May. They move the players back to March. Um, you know, Beth Page Black, again, we're going to talk about the golf course a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of the guys weren't sure what kind of shape it was going to be in, you know, being in Long Island in the, you know, in the Northeast. Um, you know, how good were the greens going to be? What was the weather going to be like leading up, uh, you know, early spring in the Northeast? And we saw the guys Monday for their practice round wearing sweaters and windbreakers and even um, stocking hats. So it was chilly and it's been rainy and it's been damp there, but it sounds like the sun was out today. The course dried out. Um, you know, I got my three picks. I got a little idea of what I think the score, the winning score will be. Um, Beth Page Black, you know, it's a state park course, uh, open to the public. It's the hardest uh, course there at Beth Page State Park. I mean, they got the black, the red, the blue, uh, the yellow, and the green. Um, the black is a bear to walk, and you got to walk it. They do not allow carts. Uh, you got to take a caddy. Um, so not only is it a hard golf course, it's an extremely tough property to walk. It's 7,465 yards from the tips. It's a par 71. The slope is 155. Wow. And the, rate, the rating is 77.5. So, gentlemen, ladies, if you're a member at Beth Page Black or you happen to have your USGA um, gin through Beth Page as your home course and you're shooting an 80, an average 80 at Beth Page, you're a two handicap. I don't, can you believe that? Yeah, that, you know, that's why they have the warning sign there, folks, as you walk through the that's first. That's right. Game. The black course is an extremely difficult course, um, which is recommended only for highly skilled golfers. Uh, that <laughs> sign's probably the most famous sign uh, of any golf courses in the country. It's like the uh, sign at the pool, swim, swim at your own risk, no lifeguard on duty. Exactly. And, you know, Beth Page has been the host to two U.S. Opens. Uh, Tiger won there in 2002. Uh, Lucas Glover won in 2009. And ironically, we talked a lot about Phil Mickelson last week. Uh, lefty finished second both times, Zip, yep. in 2002 they, and 2009. They loved him there. The New Yorkers loved Phil. Um, they rooted him on um, all week. Uh, I'll tell you who they didn't like last time or that in the 0-2 Open was uh, Sergio. They gave Sergio a hell of a time. Uh, that was back in his uh, waggling and re-gripping days where he would waggle the club sometimes 20, 25 times before he pulled the trigger. And those guys, he meant, you know, he, of course, put his foot in his mouth. That was one of his first times way back then in 02. I think he mentioned something about Tiger being on the course. Um, so they called, you know, so they halted play. And then when Tiger was finished, they made the rest of the guys, I don't know, play in all this horrible weather. And he said, you know, if Tiger was still out here, they probably would have gave us a break and blew the horn. You know, that, of course, opened up a can of worms. But that's what Sergio does. Yeah, I'm not sure what would be worse, uh, the the Sergio Waggle, which was awful, or playing around a golf with Kevin Na, which is worse. <laughs> Tiger had a phone Kevin Na earlier this year. Uh, Kevin Na at least knows that he's a pain in the ass, and he may and, you know and he has fun at his own expense. I like Kevin Na; he's got a good attitude. But yeah, I, I, for someone who, you know, obviously slow play drives me crazy. Um, I don't know how I'm a fan of his, but I am. He he, he knows that he's a head case and. He's trying his best. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you also mentioned – you mentioned the two U.S. Opens played there. Um, there was also uh, two FedEx Cup playoff events. The Barclays played there. Nick Watney won in 2012. Uh, Patrick Reed won in 2016. Um, the Ryder Cup will be there in 2024, so that'll be cool. Uh, that'll be a great, raucous New York crowd. Um, you know, the one thing I have – here's the one thing I got about Beth Page, and – I don't know. Maybe I'm pampered. Maybe I'm high maintenance and I want a night's good night's sleep before I go play one of the hardest golf courses in the country. I think it's ranked fourth. It's been ranked number one before plenty of times, but you got to sleep in your car in the parking lot overnight to get your tea time the next morning. And I didn't know this. I used to think, well, I'll leave my car in line in order and I'll leave and I'll come back. You can't. They have guards walk around the parking lot and check on cars. 
and if you leave, you're bumped to the end of the line. Popular guys, I'm sure that that have that duty. <laughs> what, what do you have to do at the police department to get that assignment? Right, I don't know. That's like yeah, that's like being uh being assigned a desk duty or a cross crosswalk or something. But the great thing about it is Beth Page is a state park course. It's a public course. The masses can play. It's not like an Augusta National where you'll never in your lifetime get a chance to play the golf course. So, but there are a lot of people that have played that course that are going to be watching. Uh, with bated breath, they're going to say, I played that hole you oh, know, yeah, the first absolutely. time somebody makes a bogey. I think that's super cool. Um, you know, Beth Page is actually the first publicly owned course um, to host the U.S. Open. It's, um, of course, owned by the New York State Parks. Torrey Pines was also a public course, but it's a municipal. It's owned by the city. Mm-hmm. And we all know Pebble Beach is also a public course. Any one of us can go play there for a nice $900 fee or two nights in the lodge or whatever they make you do now. <laughs> but Pebble Beach is privately owned. So Beth Page is actually the first real publicly owned golf course um to play. But uh Doc, I got a little uh I got a little um business venture for us, a little job idea. I think we can make a killing. These guys that sleep in their cars overnight, they can't leave, right? How about a food truck? We we start a food truck, we show up in the parking lot about six PM, we come back at midnight Maybe come back in the morning with some breakfast burritos. You know, what What do you think? I think so whoever does that would make a killing. Because I'm sure these guys are having DoorDash and pizza and everything you can imagine delivered to this parking lot all night. I am a huge fan of the food truck concept. <laughs> and I think you might be spot on there. I actually found a food truck in Denver, Colorado, that specialized in grilled peanut butter sandwiches. Greatest oh, day of my life. That's awesome. Yeah, but I know the... <laughs> Food trucks are popular everywhere, but I know down in central Kentucky where you are in Lexington, I know there's there's a ton of good ones, and uh, that's uh, really catching on. I mean, these, these guys that sleep in their car, they play cornhole. They have little grills. I mean, they're pretty much tailgating all night long just to wake up the next morning, splash some water on their face, and walk 18 of the hardest holes um, in the world. So kudos to them. It's a bucket list thing. Um, I'll do it one day for sure. But, um, you know, Beth Page, you know, I've learned something today, listened to some of the coverage, and I'm sure you've listened to and watched a little bit today as well, if you had time or leading up to this week. Um, they got these – now, these greens are pretty flat for the most part. There are some holes where the greens are very undulated and have some humps and bumps in them. Um, but these, t- you know, Tillinghast, A.W. Tillinghast was the designer. Uh, the course opened in 36. Um, I'm sure they've been redone a few times. But these greens are run thir- between 13 and 15 on the stimp, and it's Wednesday. Wow. For all the rain they've had, I guess the course is immaculate. I guess it's, it's blown the players away. They weren't expecting it to be, in, like I mentioned earlier, they weren't expecting it to be in this good of shape, you know, not knowing what kind of spring they were going to get, you know, this early um, in that part of New York. But do you know what? I mean, that is so fast for a green that's relatively flat. Um, to roll that number, that's incredible. Well, at least we don't have the USGA setting up the golf course. So, oh boy, they're going to get it right. They're going to get it right one of these days. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the big news coming out of Beth Page this week. Uh, John Daly is going to ride in a golf cart, and not since Casey Martin uh, did that. Uh, it's been a while now, but JD says his knee's too bad. And the big cat today or yesterday had some <laughs> had some interesting comments about JD riding a cart. And you know what? Very amusing. Yeah, and I had a feeling Tiger would say that, and I, I hope JD knows it was half out of, out of fun because I think JD did have a, uh, a comment. You know, he said he wished Tiger knew the whole situation before he made a comment, but you knew all these guys were going to get asked about it. Tiger and JD are friends. I think Tiger was ribbing him a little bit, but yeah, Tiger won the LED US Open, and on a broken leg and walked, you know, that golf course for four days. Um, John Daly and Tiger, and Tiger are two different kinds of um, athletes, however. <laughs> yeah. You know, without question, I'm a believer that uh, golfers are athletes and they should walk. But I will also tell you, just as a pure, uh, from a fan's perspective, I went to Valhalla a couple years ago. I had a buddy actually play in the uh, the senior PGA. And just walking that course following him just about killed me. It, mm-hmm. It's a hard course to walk. And I would hate to try to play that play that golf course, um, you know, especially in the shape I'm in today. 
the issue here is that Bethpage has no cart pass. It's a no cart facility. I mean, you take a caddy, you walk. So there's no cart pass. John Daly is going to be walking and parking that cart in some odd places. Um, I don't know where he's allowed to take it and where he's not. I guess we'll see come tomorrow. I don't know if he's allowed to drive it down the middle of the fairway. I have no clue. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to doubt it. Um, you know, just be, I, I guarantee, you know, I don't know. I mean, he might not even allow to drive it in the first kind of rough just because they don't want players hitting in a spot where he's trampled down the rough with his cart tires. You know, I don't know how this is going to work. I know sometimes when I watch a champions tour, I'll notice the carts on the cart path are off to the side. The guy in the caddy will jump out, you know, kind of 90 degrees or parallel to their ball. Um, or there are some spots they'll get the cart as close as they can. But I, you know, you mentioned Casey Martin and he fought all the way to the Supreme court. Casey Martin was a total different scenario in my book from what I understand. And I, you know, I, I read up on it today, John, you know, I've had a partially torn meniscus for about a year, year and a half. Now it does suck. It's horrible. Um, JD has a right to play in this event. If he wants to, you know, he, he, he wanted in 91, he's a two time major champion. Um, I just don't agree with the cart. I think, playing top level golf and being a pro golfer, I think walking just comes with it. Like you said, it makes it a little more of a sport. Um, you know, if he can't play any cert, you know, maybe he should have withdrew. Unfortunately, I know there's a lot of fans of his that hate to hear me say that. And believe me, I'm a fan of his also. Um, you know, I just don't, I just don't know if he might end up walking just as much, you know, depending on where they allow him to take that card or allow him, you know, or Doperman to take that card. Well, more than likely, he's not going to make the cut, so it's probably right. going to be a non-issue. After right, Friday. unfortunately. But, right. but if he was in the hunt, say, Sunday, I mean, the argument that, that I always kind of prescribe to is it is a competitive advantage uh, to be able to ride in that golf cart. And, um, you know, you're going to be uh, – the legs are going to be a little more fresh, and uh, maybe you're going to – your level of concentration is going to be a little sharper uh, if you can drive to your ball. Uh, but I do feel like it's an advantage. Uh, do you kind of share those thoughts? I do, but I think he's going to level it out based on how many Diet Cokes and peanut M&Ms he's going to eat in that golf cart. You know, I followed John Daly <laughs> at the St. Jude Classic in Memphis one year. I followed him for three holes, and I know the guy had ten cigarettes. Right. He's going to rip cigarettes. He's going to be drinking Diet Cokes. He might even have a little country music <laughs> playing in that golf cart. Who knows? J.D.'s a character. Love him or hate him. He – um he, you know, he is who he is. But you um, can probably find his RV parked somewhere somewhere around there, and he will probably sign Hooters. It. He'll sign something at Hooters for you. Yeah, if there's a Hooters in Farmington or on Long Island, JD's there right now signing towels and lying head covers, guarantee it. There you go. But, uh, you know, yeah, I just, you know, um, I guess the PGA really didn't have much to say. I don't think they thought about it too much. Um and making his decision because the ADA, the American Disability Act, kind of gets involved with this. And um, they're the ones that, you know, granted Casey Martin a cart when he would play competitively before he finally retired and became a college golf coach. So, you know, the PGA was kind of the mercy of them and that act and, you know, that court ruling and all that. And they said, John, here's your cart, but we're going to be able to tell you uh, what you can and can't do with it. So we'll see what happens. You know, I really think the course is going to play tough this week. And I, I really – you know, think eight or nine under is going to win. That's my number. Absolutely. Eight or nine under is my number as well. I think if you shoot four sixty nines, you're in a pretty, you're going to like where you're sitting at the end of Sunday. Yeah. And you're just, I mean, it's a course where you're going to have to bomb it to be competitive. And these guys that can't get it out there are going to struggle a little bit. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, people like Brooks Kepka who just bombs the ball, uh, you know, Phil hits it a long way. I think Phil, Phil's my dark horse pick. I don't necessarily think he'll be in the top 10, but I think he'll make some noise uh, before it's all said and done. But I, I think it's a long hitters golf course. It is. They were talking about coming in that there might've been a mutter, a mutter's, a mutter's week, you know, a guy that muds it good, you know, get a lot of mud balls. But like I said, it dried out better than they thought it was going to. Um, I don't know what the weather forecast is for the next four days. Um, but yeah, I mean, all my three picks and my sleeper are all bombers. Um, let's do our picks now, if you might, if, if, if you want to do that. Let's uh, let's get that going and get those out there. We can kind of explain real quick on each one why we picked who we picked. Um, 
I'll tell you, my guys all have one thing in common, and they are all grinders. They're long, but they're grinders. They're bulldogs. They're tough. Um, and they all kind of got a little bit of a temper problem. And I think it's going to take a tough son of a bitch to win um, this week on this golf course. So my actually, my third pick, and this isn't – well, it is. It's a homer pick. I'm picking with my heart, but I'm also picking with my brain. It's not many guys break through and win their first PGA tournament at a major. Uh, but my old buddy from Warren, Ohio, uh, Jason Kokrak, is my um, one of my picks this week. He's he's having the best year he's had on tour. Um, he finished second to Paul Casey at uh, Valspar, I believe, in Tampa. Um, he had a 15-footer for par on the last hole to force a playoff with Paul Casey. He missed that. That was like his sixth or seventh runner-up finish. Um, the guy's kept his card every year. He's never had to go back to Q school. Um, he's, you know, he's made a ton of money, a bunch of top 10, top 20 finishes. I believe he's gone to the FedEx Cup playoffs um, every year but one. So um, he, he, he kills the ball. He's the longest player on tour, if not one of the longest. Um, he's tough as nails. And if he can get the rock rolling and make some putts this week, um, you know, because you got to hit these greens. And it's going to take a guy that, first of all, how do you hit greens? Well, you got to hit the fairway. And you got to hit, you know, you got to hit a long off the tee to have an easier club into these greens. Because a lot of them are elevated. Um, a lot of them are plateaued. Uh, you got to come in high. And, um, you know, if you get a pin high or below the hole on a lot of these courses, or I'm sorry, a lot of these holes, you know, like I said, a lot of these greens aren't very tough. There are a few out there that are, but a lot of them aren't. You're going to have some makeable putts. So, um, I think Kokrak is going to play well this week. Yeah, he's my first pick. Who you got, Doc? I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka, And, you know, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, this guy is like the Rodney Dangerfield of golf all of a sudden. I mean, he's, he's taking shots from all different directions. <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy is an incredible player. And he, he always rises to the occasion uh, on the big stage. But, you know, he's one of those guys where he can walk through the airport and nobody knows who he is. Uh, I mean, he's, I guess he just doesn't, he's not recognizable or he's not, uh, it's just hard for me to kind of articulate, you know, the life of Brooks Kepka. But how can a guy as good as Brooks Kepka continue to fly under the radar? And I think he's almost forgotten at times. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's probably the most overlooked three time major winner of all time. That's just crazy. Just to even <laughs> say, just to hear you say that, that's crazy. Right. Right, it's not like he won these three majors in 1986. He's won them in the last three years. So, and I think two he, years. I I'm sorry, that, two years. Sorry, yeah. Brooks. And I think that's going to motivate him to continue to play at a very high level. It does. I think he plays a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You oh. can kind of tell in some interviews. You know, that some of the stuff he hears bothers him. And then, so my uh, also a pick I'll throw out there is Patrick Reed, another guy that's very gritty, doesn't really care what you think about him. You know, the whole Captain America thing. Uh, he actually won the Barclays in uh, 2016 and shot nine under par. So I'm sure it's going to be a little different course setup, but I mean, he's right there in that window. We're talking about eight or nine under par. Yep, can't argue with you there either. Good pick. Um, can't say anything. Can't really say anything negative or. Say why you shouldn't pick him. That's a that's a good pick. Um, my second pick is a northeastern guy, um, more of a New England guy. But the guys, people in New York love him. He has ties in New York. He played at St. John's University. He's already got a PGA Championship under his belt. Struggled with his game. Kind of fell out, fell off the map for the last couple of years. Um, but I'm going with Keegan Bradley. Oh, good call. Long hitter, bulldog, gritty fighter. Um, he's fiery. You know, he, I mean, he, he can, you know, he can make six birdies just like he can make six bogeys. So, um, I just heard, you know, and, uh, heard he's hitting the ball well coming into here. And I think it's a good golf course for him. And he also has probably the best pre-shot routine of all time. I don't know what you call that little dance, but there's a, there, there's actually a comedian that uh, yes. impersonates golfers. That was, it was spot on when I saw it recently. We got we got to get that guy on here. I follow him on Instagram. I'm sure he's got a Twitter. Um, he he's phenomenal. I mean, you I love impersonators that do voice impressions, but to be able to mimic somebody's mannerisms and number one it's hard to harness your own good golf swing. How about trying to mimic and doing it spot on the best golf swings in the world? It's crazy. 
Yeah, exactly. That guy's good. Why did I find out who the heck he is? <laughs> so th- those are our picks right there for uh, the PGA Championship, and uh, we'll uh, kind of follow that, and next week we'll come back with the third episode and see how we did. Yep, and I also just um, another guy on my list um, is Bryson DeChambeau, uh, ball striker extraordinaire. Um, if he could putt well this week, uh, I think he can get the job done. And watching him play is a treat because he truly is a mad scientist. Yeah, he is. You know, but he he he, has, he doesn't take himself as seriously, seriously as I thought he would. He's kind of lined up over the years. He kind of turned me off when I watched him when the USAM, um, obviously a few years ago before he turned pro. But he's grown on me. Um, I'm a really I'm a big fan of his now. You know, and these are the guys that I think are going to play good. Obviously, we would love to see Tiger win. To go 11 years and finally win a major is hard. To go 11 years and win two back-to-back majors is almost impossible. But if there is one guy that can do it, it's um, Eldrick Tiger Woods. And we talked a little bit about DeChambeau. And one of my big pet peeves as we get into that is slow play. And it would drive me absolutely nuts to play with Bryson DeChambeau. Well, he's not allowed to use a compass anymore or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> now, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. I thought I had a high IQ, but – I don't even know the first thing I would do with a compass on a golf course. Was no, it a compass or a protractor? I, I can't even plumb bomb, so <laughs> plumb bomb, so I'm not sure what a compass is. You can't is. even say it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, those are our picks. I, you know, I'd love to see Ricky Fowler win, finally get his first major. Uh, if he puts a ball in play and hits his irons uh, a good proximity to the hole, I think he can win too. Um, you just mentioned pet peeves. Um, playing with Bryson, you know, this is kind of a topic we've been kicking around for a while and can have a lot of fun with. Uh, we're probably going to have some of the same ones. We can go back and forth, kit for cat if you want. You know, of course, both of us being in the golf industry on the other side of the counter from the customer, you know, we're going to have some of our own that kind of relate to that. And obviously, folks, we don't want to offend anybody. Have some fun with it. Laugh about it. Uh, but let me, I'll tell you this much, you know, if we mention a pet peeve, and it's something that you are guilty of doing, please stop. Consider it a public service announcement and just know that you're annoying everybody. Just stop, huh? Absolutely. It's all in good, <laughs> all in good fun, folks. But if you're, if you're that guy, we're talking to you, okay? That's right. We're talking to you. Um, you know, no, uh, no hate, no love lost. Just uh, keep it to yourself. The next time you go out and uh, just make a conscious effort to not do this. Um, I'll start off with a few. Um, I'll go from, I'll go as a golfer being out on the actual golf course um, first. Um, you know, obviously the guy that always bothers us is a six practice swing guy. How many practice swings do you need to take? Do you really need to take a divot with your practice swing? Um, you know, we're, you know, it's our day off or we only got a few hours to spend. Let's not stay here all day. And you know, I don't even take a practice swing with my driver. Um, I know what I'm trying to do with my driver. Um, I've swung my driver a million times in my life. Um, the only time I really will take a couple practice swings is when I'm trying to rehearse something different. Um, if I have a, a shot I have to shape or a funky lie or just, some, you know, if I'm not taking a full swing, um, if I have to mimic something or rehearse something, that's fine. One or two times, pull the trigger and go. And I really think this will help you as a player too. Um, those five and six practice swings are just a waste of time. And it's even worse if practice swing guy uh, also leaves five or six divots uh, <laughs> in the same spot or the relatively same spot. I mean, come on, buddy. Pre-shot routine, find your target, pull the right club, and let's put the ball in play. So I'll spend I agree whole, with you. Right. 100%. I'll spend a whole 45-minute lesson teaching somebody a pre-shot routine. And they can take what they want from it. They can, you know, they can copy and mimic it move for move if they want, but it it's just as important as some of the fundamentals in the swing, no doubt. How about the guy who never picks up the flag the entire round and puts it back in the hole? Yeah, there's always one in every group and just walks off uh, to the next hole and leaves you there. You just ask that guy, say, hey, you got you know what uh, you know how much a pin flag weighs? And when they say no, say, well, why don't you pick one up and find out? Yeah, and so the rule of thumb is the first guy in the group to first put guy, out. Yeah. That's right. Be responsible for putting the flag stick back. So That's right. if, if you're that first guy, then uh, tag you're it. I'm a big fan of, you know, if, if it's a busy day, I'm not opposed to 
if I give a guy, you know, a two or three footer, or if they put out, if they start to kind of walk back to the card, especially if we're in a group of three or four, um, I don't mind that. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, try to, try to, you know, split it up, try to pick up the flag a few times around. Yeah. And then that, that kind of takes me into one of my pet peeves. Uh, I, I know we're out on the golf course to kind of enjoy each other's company, but don't give each other lessons on the golf course. I no. mean, we have, we have a wonderful driving range. We have a short game area. We have a practice putting green. Uh, I don't care if you've read uh, the latest tip in golf digest, or you heard something great on this podcast. Uh, let's just play golf right down the score and go to the next hole. If you go to the first tee with a slice that day and you slice the first three drives, of the day play that for the day don't try to fix it on the golf course um, a lot of people a lot of my buddies will bust my chops to zip you know you've seen me make three straight eights what am i doing you're a pro tell me what the hell i'm doing you know i, I don't have that kind of time right now we're in the middle of the fifth fairway exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean no offense but i'll never you know i'll give you if, if i'll give you something small that'll get you through the round but um yeah i mean the time to work and practice is on the practice tee, absolutely. Um, what about the guy who drives his cart and parks it absolutely wherever he wants to, between a bunker and the green, uh, on the tee box? Yeah, I mean, we the, the grounds crew at every golf course we've worked at, they work so hard to make the golf course uh, wonderful and fantastic for you to play. And just respect the ropes and stay outside the ropes. And don't get too close to tee boxes or to golf greens. Just as a common courtesy for uh, the golf course. Right. There's a reason we do those things. We're not trying to be rude. We're not trying to be jerks. I know you got a bad hip. I know your arthritis or what have you is bothering you. Um, you know, take your time. You know, get as close as you can, but stay outside the cart signs, the rope. Um, you know, there, like I said, there's reasons. Um, there's reasons that's out there. And, you know, it, these guys, you know, like you said, they bust their butts um, to get the golf course in the best shape. Um, it can be in just respect the course. And I guarantee you it'll be in better shape even the next time you come out. And how about that guy that doesn't even think about reading his putt until it's his turn to play and he puts his ball down. <laughs> I like that guy. I like the guy that also uh, sits in the car and checks his cell phone while you're hitting. And then when everyone out and then once his turn, that's when he starts um, shooting his laser, um, picking his club, then taking his six practice swings. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a fan of ready golf, unless, you know, obviously it's a tournament, um, you know, or, you know, I don't care about honors on the tee. Um, you, know, it, you know, these are all just little things that all, all just pertaining to, you know, making the game, you know, just a little quicker, a little more enjoyable, a little more fun. Because space of play has been a big issue um, for a long time. I like the guy, you know, and a few guys in our men's game or leagues over the years that I've been paired with and done this. How about the guy that never watches his ball on a bad shot? You know, he's he's griping and groaning and groaning and kicking dandelions or whatever, and everyone else in the group has to watch where his ball went because the very next words out of his mouth is, anybody see where that went? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, how about the guy that will look for that X out at the corner of the pond for half an hour? There's nothing more excruciating in golf than looking for someone else's golf ball. I don't like to look for my ball, let alone someone else's. Exactly. So, if I see a ball retriever in your bag, we're not playing together. <laughs> if you have to regrip your ball retriever each year, <laughs> uh, you may not want to be at Cherry Blossom. Oh, my goodness. You know, when you're a member at a course, you're retired, you get all the time in the world, you take your private card out there, you're out of everybody's way. Pick away. Pick all the balls you want. Um, but during your round, please don't. And, you know, a lot of people associate slow play with high-handicap golfers or even beginners. But I've seen a lot of very low-handicap players that are just terribly slow just because they're never ready to play. Absolutely. People give ladies, lady golfers, a bad rap. I have seen some of our lady groups um, when we would have stay-and-plays in town um, or ladies' league or, um, you know, a a ladies' group come and play, you know, whatever – sometimes they're the fastest out there because they don't care what they shoot. They're just out there to have fun. And, you know, they're not, they're not reading four foot putts. That's for sure. 
Well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit off the golf course to in the pro shop. And uh, I've got one, and I want to give a hat tip to one of my coworkers, uh, our buddy Hayden, uh, over at Cherry Blossom, kind of turned me on to this one. He, he was in the pro shop the other day, and he says, why do people always come in and complain about the weather? It's either too hot, too cold, too windy. He said, you made the tee time. You showed up to play golf. Quit complaining about the weather. And he's spot on. I've had, we talked about that guy last week, or our first episode. I said I've heard a guy already complain about the weather, and spring just showed up. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Or they want to know if it's going to rain or not. Yeah. Not only are we, you know, golf pros and golf shop attendants, but we're also meteorologists. <laughs> what's it going to do out there, sir? It's the Midwest. It can snow in 10 minutes. It can be 95 degrees an hour later. I don't know what it's going to do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we also have um, those guys that always come in the pro shop and want to go off the back. Yeah. Go off the back nine. We like the back better. I didn't get to play the back last time. And, uh, you know, you politely say, sir, we've had 140 rounds today. And all the people that played this morning or mid-morning are now making the turn. So. Right. That's not going to work, and exactly. people don't really understand that, but that's something that we have to do just for pace of play. You fit them in. You do them a favor and say, you know what? There's a group on 11. The next closest group, you know, making the turn, they're on number eight right now. There's a little gap there. Go head on off. Go off 10. That's fine. In 30 minutes, they're calling you saying, send a ranger out there because it's all jammed up and it's slow play. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of goes hand in hand. It kind of relates to uh, – my next one, which is the group or the guy that has a 9 a.m. tea time, they show up at 9.07, and they want to know who that group is on the first tee. Well, sir, that's the 9.10 group. It's 9.07. They're on time. You're late. And no, you can't go off 10 because now you have to wait a little bit. Guys, if you have a 9 o'clock tea time, that means you should be ready to go to the tee at 8.50, which means you should probably be at the golf course at 8.30, no later than 8.40. Um, you know, change your shoes uh, or go to your locker. You're gonna, you got to buy a Powerade, what have you. Um, you know, take a couple swings, get loosened up. Whatever it is you do, you know, just, you know, at 9.07, you're late. You know, and there's nothing we can really do about it. We'll try our best to get you out there. Really, we don't want to make anybody mad. We want to make the money. We want you to get out there and enjoy your day. But – we send you out there, and all of a sudden there's two groups going off at 9-10. Our whole T-sheet is jammed up for the rest of the day, and we don't recover from that for five, six hours. So we've dropped a couple on you from a playing perspective and from a uh, you know behind-the-counter perspective in the golf shop. And so we want to hear from you. What are your pet peeves? You can send those to docandzip at gmail.com, or you can DM us at our Twitter page at DTMGolfPod. Or you can also hit up hit us up on Facebook now as we got that rocking and rolling, right, Zip? That's right. Uh, Down the Middle Podcast with Doc and Zip is on Facebook. Uh, we're going to share a lot of content on there, what's happening with myself, what's happening with Doc, what's happening at my golf shop, uh, what's happening in Central Kentucky at your neck of the woods. Um, a lot of good stuff covered today, my friend. We'd, uh, episode, we never thought Episode 1 would be here. Episode 2 is now behind us, and uh, – as always, um, I really enjoyed it, my friend. I, it's always a pleasure to talk golf with you. And, again, we want to tell you that the podcast is brought to you by GolfHQ.com. From tee to green and head to toe, GolfHQ.com is the place to go. And Zip's going to have a lot of exciting news about things happening at Golf HQ, uh, the superstore there in Ohio, uh, in future episodes. Yep, that's right. Uh, as far as this week goes, uh, actually, starting next week is our re-grand opening. The remodel is done. Uh, we're going to have all of our club vendor reps there. Um, so if you're in the Northeast Ohio area, Western PA, uh, please come out and see us. Our new commercial is going to be airing locally during uh, Friday's coverage of the PGA Championship. Totally excited about that. We're going to be doing close to the pin contests on our simulators. We're going to pick a par three hole on one of the courses that's on there. We're going to be giving away free clubs, gift cards, lessons, um, you name it. Like I said, all our major club reps are going to be there doing free fittings. Uh, we're going back to uh, food trucks. We're going to have food trucks on site. Um, it's just going to be a blast. It's going to be a party. Um, we're going to have a real good time. Spring is here. 
Uh, we're well, uh, season is well underway. And um, GolfHQ.com, for all your uh, golfing needs, equipment, the best in apparel, um, clubs, balls, shoes, um, great sales, tremendous bargains, um, free shipping. Uh, definitely check out GolfHQ.com. And um, that's going to be a wrap for us for episode two. Doc, my friend, uh, I enjoyed it, buddy. Episode three, guys, is definitely going to be a must listen where we're going to welcome our first guest of the DTM podcast with Doc and Zip. Um, Christy Egnot, she's the regional league manager for the PGA Junior League uh, from the PGA of America. Uh, she works with the PGA Junior League. She oversees um, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, Alabama, and Northwest Florida. PGA Junior League, Doc and I are huge advocates and supporters of. It's really the first kind of little league um, program or format integrated into golf, um, introducing juniors and youngsters into the game of golf in a team atmosphere. Um, she'll tell you all about that. I was lucky enough to coach it last year. I believe, Doc, they're going to have a uh, a team again there, Cherry Blossom there in Central Kentucky. Um, every course with a PGA Pro um, needs to participate in this. It's part of our duty to grow the game and get the kids um, – not just playing baseball and soccer, but playing golf as well. Uh, so uh, look for episode three, um, coming to your favorite uh, format, wherever you listen uh, to your favorite podcast, wherever you listen to us. And uh, that's a wrap for episode two. Thanks, Doc. And as always, keep it down the middle. Down the Middle with Doc and Zip is sponsored by GolfHQ.com. From tee to green and head to toe golfhq.com is the place to go we also want to tell you about the perfect spot for your next golf trip with stay and play packages available at cherry blossom and longview golf clubs in historic georgetown kentucky located just 12 miles from lexington your visit to the heart of horse country not only includes two great golf courses but just might lead you to attractions such as the keeneland racetrack a university of kentucky sporting event or a trip down the kentucky bourbon trail to book your golf trip, visit longviewgolfclub.com.